You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 70 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And you probably guessed it from that intro, but we're coming at you again with another Nathan and Gandalf special. Uh, I wish it was uh, under better circumstances, but unfortunately, our boy, Matt, he's uh, he's down for the count currently. Uh, Nathan, you <laughs> you want to explain what's happened to our boy? Uh, yeah, um, as best I can. I, you know, Matt and I talk a couple times a week, pastor stuff, podcast stuff, and uh, I reached out to check on him. I want to say it was last Wednesday night or Thursday, and after hours, um, he finally responds, and it's just like the emoji thumbs up, the neutral emoji thumbs up, and so something was off. Uh, and then I, I talked to him either. Thursday night or maybe early Friday morning, and he just said, man, I'm in extreme pain. And I think it goes back. He might correct me when he's back with us. I think it goes back. You remember last May? I think it was. He had the the boating thing happen, and he hurt his shoulder then. Yeah, I remember I, I that. I think this is somehow related to that. I think, it was tri- well, it, I, I, I think it was triggered when Andrea gave him a hug, if I understood correctly. So I, the other day I saw them in their home, and I was like, fist bump, Andrea. You're not hugging me. Um, but, uh, wait, is that, is that real? Is that a joke or is that, I'm not sure. I may have misheard, but either way, I I went with a fist bump just to be safe. Um, well, you know, that's actually ironic because I believe the first ever episode of the podcast that we were not all together was because of that initial accident last year. Really? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Matt had an MRI yesterday and, uh, fractured humerus. He has two significant tears on his rotator cuff. Sprained ligaments, torn labrum, impinged joint. Uh, so he's having surgery tomorrow, I think, uh, and he'll have several months of like total, reco- you know, recovery when you factor in like physical therapy and things like that. So he's he's in a world of hurt right now. We're sad not to have him with us today, but pray for Matt and Andrea um, because anything that affects a husband and a father also definitely affects uh, a wife and a mom. So. Mm, for sure. Shout out to Andrea, one of the good ones. <laughs> That's I right. mean, there are many good ones, but shout out. You know, we love Andrea. That's what I'm saying. Andrea, don't Correct. don't hug me too tightly the next time we're all together. <laughs> well, um, uh, Nathan, you're also in uh, not, 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 not in a time of physical pain like Matt, but you're in a time of change as well. Yeah. So over the weekend, I've been pastoring in Meridian uh, for the past couple of years, and uh, it's been a crazy year. Um and after a lot of prayer, I preached in view of a call at First Baptist Corinth, Mississippi, uh, this past Sunday, and was was called as their pastor. So I'll be starting there Easter. Um, and so it's it's kind of that that mixed emotion place, right? We're we're very excited uh, for God's leading forward, but um, First Baptist Meridian has been so kind and so gracious to our family. There's there's sadness in leaving them because they're I mean they're just a, they're a wonderful church. Well, I know uh, I know Corinth will be will be gaining uh, w- w- one smart cookie as a, a viewer talked to me Sunday said described you as a one smart cookie. I did have cookies over the weekend. 
<laughs> hey, this is this is. Can I real talk for a second? I, yeah. Uh, so all of the call stuff was so exciting, and what I'm about to say is on such a smaller level. But I checked a major box off the bucket list, the proverbial bucket list this weekend. All right, do tell. Um, Sunday night after church, we went out for Mexican in Corinth with with some of the folks, and my birthday was yesterday, Monday. Um, and so they sang the happy birthday song and I got to wear the sombrero at the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> I, I saw that on social media. You could, you, see, you look you good. could see the joy, right? <laughs> so for, for, for Matt, the quintessential Nathan moment is when I did that cannonball into Pickwick Lake last summer. For me, the, the quintessential Nathan moment is the joy on my face wearing that sombrero. Uh, perfect form in all things. Um, it, uh, it's just, it was, just, you know, in the Disney cartoon Ratatouille, like when the really harsh food critic at the end, uh, eats the Ratatouille and it just takes him yeah. back to the joy and wonder of childhood. Is, was that you with That's the sombrero? That's what it felt like to wear that sombrero, brother. It was just, a, well, it was a good moment. There's something else that brings us joy on this podcast. And that's when you listener like, and subscribe to the podcast. There it is. <laughs> you love my transitions, don't you, Nathan? Beautiful. But for but for real, we uh, we live in a world of algorithms and endless self promotion. So, you guys liking this podcast, giving us five stars on all of our major platforms—that's Google Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, whatever plat- your platform of choice is. Uh, you doing that pushes the algorithm to tell everyone else that this podcast is worthwhile content. And Nathan, I had kind of a surreal moment this past week. I was on vacation and just on a, on a whim, I decided to like pull my phone out and just check out where the podcast was like, not from an admin account, but just my normal phone. And man, if, if Spotify has not put us right next to the Bible project podcast, what I know that's like, that's a, I feel like that's a big deal. That's like one of the big boys. And uh, because of our listeners, Doing things like giving us five stars and clicking like, clicking that's, subscribe, whatever that looks a, like. Uh, there, <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Tell me. Uh, so, so being next to the Bible Project, to put that in uh, comparison, I, I preach Sunday morning, and it's it's the in view of a call weekend, so everyone was so gracious, right? Mm-hmm. And the single most gracious compliment I got on the Sunday morning sermon was, you remind me of Dr. Ronald Meeks. <laughs> And uh, that's huge. Oh, wow. Dr. Meeks has oh, wow. Dr. Meeks has been interim. Dr. Meeks uh, teaches at Blue Mountain, and Dr. Meeks is a faithful listener to the podcast. Um, so to be to even keep that kind of company made my day. Uh, and then so well, so the sombrero was really just the cherry on the top, right? <laughs> um, and uh, so so so, be so real, keep, keeping keeping company with the Bible Project. Wow. I know, right? And like, speaking of which, Nathan, did anybody, when you went in, in, in view of a call, did anyone be like, oh, you're the guy from the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast? Uh, one, one person did. Uh, they, do, they do two services, a traditional and the contemporary. And, and one person that I did not meet at the meet and greet was there for the second service. Um, I, don't mean, I don't know if he's a member of the church or not, uh, or he may have been a guest, but he said he'd listened to the first episode of the show. Uh, he says, hey, I, I know you from the show. And I said, "Oh, you've already made it one episode uh, further into the show than my wife has." Um, so, <laughs> well, th- that that kind of segues into another thing but I want to talk out, about. Shout out to Doctor Meeks. Yeah, what shout a, out to what Dr. a great Meeks. guy. Um, 
Well, speaking speaking of of uh, Doctor Meeks, we we love getting fan mail, right? We love getting messages from our listeners. Um, and if you want to send us a message, you can go to our website, better than fiction, Bible podcast.com. And in fact, even in this time now where Matt's kind of, uh, under the weather, I know he would in- enjoy reading some, some, uh, kind words. He, and even if you don't have a kind word, even if you have a helpful criticism, even that we consider a blessing, but we did receive uh, a message from some folks up in Lee Summit, Missouri, and I know Nathan. I know you wanted to talk about that as we transition yes. into the show. I need to log into the uh, to the website domain so I can you know email people back. I have wonderful intentions and terrible follow through on that. But this it's the type of email that we get that just makes me feel warm and fuzzy about what we're trying to do with the show. Um, because you know this person is hey this this is not just changing the re- way I read individual text. This is changing the questions that I bring to every passage of scripture. And so this person, uh, I think they're still in the um, in the Genesis. I mean, you know, in, in Genesis three or so, and they said, "Hey, I was reading First John two sixteen, and I see the sequence referred to in First John two sixteen: the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life." And he says, "Man, this is exactly what y'all were talking about when y'all were dealing with the garden narrative, right?" Um, mm. And so he's like, did y'all leave this out? And that's a yes and no. We did leave it out, not because we didn't notice the illusion, but man, as you read more and more New Testament texts, you'll see more and more of these types of illusions. Uh, so just, uh, uh, and I, I wish I had that email in front of me, even though you sent it to me. I don't know what I did with it. Oh, it's in Discord. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's on, it's on the server. Literally right in front of me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so for example, a couple of other texts. If you look in James... Uh, chapter one, uh, when he says, uh, let no one say he is tempted. I mean, let no one, when he is no, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You remember that focus on the word desire we had? Then desire when it has conceived and gives birth. So now we have the language of desire sin and giving birth, um, uh, conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Uh, and so uh, you see what I'm saying? So if you read uh, and and keep going, do not receive my beloved brothers, every good gift. Where's that language of good? (laughs) That's a Genesis word, right? That's right. Where, where do do we see the, right? Yeah. Where do we see the first deception? That's Genesis one through three. Every good and gift is from above coming down from the father of lights. Where do we see this emphasis on God and light? First time Genesis one with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his will of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth. That's creation language, right? Mm -hmm. And God uses his words truthfully to create. The serpent uses them to corrupt, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. There's the fruit. Uh So this story makes more sense when you know the other story. This passage makes more sense in light of another passage. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. You see the same phenomenon at work in... um, Ephesians 5 is another example that just immediately came to mind. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That's interesting language. Therefore Mm -hmm. do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit 
There's fruit, how interesting, of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak about the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. And so you see there again, and there's so many other passages, uh, you'll be dealing with one uh, book in the Bible, and it becomes so much more intelligible when you understand the story that is lurking just beneath the surface of the text, right? Mm. So I, I, when, I, when you uh, when you when you've learned to cue into those those symbols and those uh, elements, yeah, exactly, and 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 especially if you see a cluster of them, like if you see light and darkness imagery, and 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 surprise, surprise, there's also uh, deception and truth imagery, and there's the imagery of fruit or giving birth, or life and death, man, that feels a lot like the garden, right? Yeah. Um, if you see water, so if you're reading Romans 6, you notice that there's water imagery with baptism. There's uh, the language of slavery and freedom, uh, life and death. Uh, that's that's sounding a lot like the Exodus, right? Absolutely. Uh, so th- uh, there's so many things. This is, And so to that listener, keep listening, keep reading uh, all these texts, we we honestly don't have time to refer to all of them in the show because it's just everywhere. Um, when I, I sp- we, we'd still be in Genesis one if we did. It's it's literally everywhere. It, we would eventually get out of Genesis one, but we might still be there. Um, <laughs> I, I feel bad because I'll be teaching so many. I'm a New Testament and Greek guy, and yet a lot of times when I'm teaching the New Testament, I'm like, hey, let's look back to the Old Testament again um, because that's. That's what the New Testament writers are doing. Um, and uh, yay, yay to our reader, uh, I mean, our listener from Missouri. Keep reading. There's so many connections like that. Um, when I, I, one time, I can't, do you remember when I did that Sunday night for Matt at Tupelo? I do remember. What was that? Was that in 2020 sometime? Uh, I think that was even before 2020. I don't know. T- time runs together for me. Anything that happened after 2019 just kind of is a blur now. Okay, well, one 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 um, Sunday night I was at Tupelo, and he had me do like a how the New Testament uses the Old Testament talk, right? Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite ways to illustrate that is with uh, with the example. Let me tell you a story without saying a single word. You remember that? I, I know exactly where you're going. So, right like, now. spoiler alert, right? Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, for a movie that's like 40 years old. Yeah. And that highlights what I'm talking about all the more. So uh, if you're, if you're at Tupelo or Meridian, or if you were there that night, then you may remember this. If not play along for the very first time. Uh, let's see if I can tell you a story without using a single word. Okay. Everybody, right. everybody get your thinking caps on. Focus and listen to me tell you a story without using a single word. All right, Gandalf, where are we? Uh, you're in the ocean about to have a bad time. Yeah, what's coming at us? Uh, jaws is jaws. coming at you. And, the I, shark. and I, I didn't even do that very well. Like my my Jaws theme song, uh, theme music sound effect is nowhere near on par with Spielberg, right? That's right. But it didn't matter. That's such an iconic story and that's such an iconic uh, theme music that goes with that story that one small part of it can evoke the whole thing. 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, that that has to do with you know we've we've been looking at Genesis fifteen one through six, and since Matt's not here and it's not a genealogy, I'm going to make you read that again. Oh no! All right. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, read read this passage for us, and and as I, I want to say a few things about it. And we'll look at the New Testament to talk about the Old Testament. All right. So Genesis 15, 1 through 6, right? Mm-hmm. All right. And as always, this is from the ESV, English Standard Version. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness." Um, so this passage gives some answers and it raises some very big questions too. So the, the number one problem, do you remember how we were introduced to Abram and his wife Sarai at the end of Genesis 11? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, one of the very first things it says about him, let me pull it up, make sure I'm looking here. This should be Genesis eleven twenty seven following, I think. Now, the first time he's mentioned is talking about uh, the, being a son of Terah. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And then go down just a little bit. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered mm-hmm. Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran fathered Lot. So you're introduced to the son of Abraham's brother, but it skips over any mention of that for Abram. That's significant, right? Yeah. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah and the and the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took wives. Then a- The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. And then what does 30 say? It says, now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Yeah. So in the the very next chapter, it's Abraham, uh, go forth from your country, your kinfolk, your father's house. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. So you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. and, And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you or by you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Right? Yep. Um, what's the catch, Gandalf? He's he's expanded. Uh, the, 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 in other words, he's grown Abram's tribe. He's given him land. Yeah. He's amassed wealth and men for himself. But what's the catch? The catch is he still has no heir. He still has no heir. Or at least his heir is not his son. Correct. He has an heir, potentially, in, El- in Eliezer Damascus. Um, potentially it was Lot for a little bit, right? But that seems to be out of the question now. So... The whole thing is Abraham saying, I still don't have a child. And that leads to God saying, well, hey, look at the stars of the sky. You can't even count them, but if you could, that's how your descendants are going to be. And we see this statement in Genesis 15. And Abram believed the Lord, and it, it was counted to him as righteousness. Can I ask you a, a hard question? It sounds like a simple question. Um, okay. I, this one's kept me up nights. I asked this to my dad as a kid and again as a youth. How did people get saved before Jesus? 
Uh, that's a question I remember asking in uh, Miss Edwina's fifth grade Sunday school class. You haven't mentioned Miss Edwina in a while. I know. Shout out she, to Miss Edwina. She, she made an impact on me. I still, I still have. I'm she looking must at it right have. now. I she's still come, have. She's come up more than once. She gave me a little sailboat trophy because I came to her class every single Sunday. I'm looking at it right now. I envision you <laughs> having this old church directory from like your childhood. And there's like inside, there's a picture of Miss Edwina's fifth grade Sunday school class. And there's a young, impressionable Gandalf hanging on to every word. <laughs> but yeah, that, you know, you're right. That is a, that is a hard question. It sounds simple. Till you think about it. Yeah. To, 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 <laughs> that's most things in life, isn't it? Right. That's so true. Um, <laughs> so how, how are people saved prior to Jesus? You know what? I'm and by the way, what's 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 fun is uh, one of the answers that I've, I've sometimes heard when discussing this with people is, well, they had the law, right? They had law and sacrifices. What's the catch? Yeah, Abraham's before that too. <laughs> yeah, because even if you want to go with that, Abraham's still not. He's not in the clear yet. Um, yeah. So so. And and the reason I ask is not just an Old Testament question, it's a New Testament. And we are not going to have time to get all this today, so it'll be a fun cliffhanger episode in as much as our weird little podcast can have cliffhanger episodes. Well, uh, Matt's not here. We can do whatever we want. That's right. We, we, 40-minute episodes. That's right. Setting a new record. Uh, <laughs> no, because then I won't have that to pull out of my back pocket anytime y'all give me grief. Um, <laughs> so... Um, this is the first time you have one thing, and it's the second time you have another thing. Um, this is the second time in Scripture that someone is referred to as righteous. Do you remember the first example? I remember we made a big deal about it, but it's it slipped my mind. Noah. That's right. Noah's the first one who's called righteous in Scripture. He, the, and, because it was saying that everyone else, like everyone else was terrible. Yeah, they thought only Noah evil was thought, righteous. Yeah, only evil thoughts in their hearts all the day long. Uh, that's pretty grim. Uh, so Abram's yeah. only the second person in Scripture who's called righteous. And we have in the earlier parts of the Abraham uh, narrative showed how there's little ties back to, to the flood and to Babel, right? Uh, yeah. This is all part of a single uh, narrative account. The, the big thing with Abram, though, is it's the first time, Genesis 15, 6, that it says someone did something. And it is, it's the first time that they're doing this thing gets associated with them being something. He, he, he believed the Lord. He believed the Lord. The language of faith, and by the way, in, in Hebrew, that's from the uh, verb amen. It's, it's where we get amen from. He amened the Lord. God said something, and Abraham said, "Amen." Well, but like in you know the first Baptist, yeah. yeah. Um, um, Abram believed the Lord, and uh, in the Septuagint, this is where we get you know the language of uh, you know pisteu, uh, uh, trust, belief. Um, this is the first time that the language of faith enters the biblical story. I cannot overstate that. Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is the first example of someone being declared or made righteous on the basis of faith. That's huge, right? Yeah. Um, That's going to be kind of the big deal going forward. That is kind of the big deal. And by the way, for Paul, it's not only before the law, it's also after the law, too. 
and mm. and it's uh, sub. Uh, it's, the, ju- the just shall live by faith. It's 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 simultaneous with the law for Paul too. So this is this is a fun thing. So with Abram, and, and why do I say that? Let's you know just flip to Romans. Romans, this side of the Reformation, is like the most studied book, uh, especially in the New Testament, possibly in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, in the John T. Christian Library at New Orleans, um, it, it felt like for, because originally I was going to be a Gospels guy. I was going to do research in either Matthew or Mark. I did my master's thesis in Mark. Um, by whose authority? Narrative char- characterization and the socio-historical aims of Mark's Gospel? No. What was the title of that? Anyway, it was probably very boring. <laughs> I don't know. You wrote it. But uh, yeah. It wasn't me. Uh, and again, Haley didn't read it. Um <laughs> And I can I can say these things and get that out of my system because she does hasn't because she's not to the listening. Podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, he's Matt keeps him so grounded. He's in a better mood when Matt's there, and that's true. Matt's merciful heart spills over to me. Uh, Matt, come back, come back. Y'all pray for Matt when he has surgery tomorrow. As you're listening to this episode, um, yeah. But I, I remember you know when I was going to concentrate on the gospels, going to the library and just being impressed by. Uh, comparatively, how many more resources there were for Romans. This side of the Reformation, Romans has become, you know, ground central for uh, expounding on the gospel and how justification and sanctification and grace and faith and all these other things work. And all of these things are found in Romans. But what's my point for, for Romans? They're all found in Romans, not because these are Paul's concepts, but because Paul is very grounded in Genesis. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Uh, In other words, when we see Paul playing in this playground of faith and worldwide mission, like he references, uh, and being called uh, sons of God and using the language of adoption, any Jewish reader, you know, well uh, familiar with their scriptures, it would have been like in their mind, dun 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 and so my my dissertation topic ended up focusing on how um, uh, Paul's argument uh, in the first four chapters of Romans, I actually think it carries over all the way through 511, um, how Paul's argument is just grounded in both the Abraham story and Jewish interpretations of the Abraham story. Um, and how he's interacting with those things. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Like, like Paul's not just making this stuff up. I mean, he is going back to... No, he is... Ju- you, that's it. He is not creating a system. He is interacting with a story. And th- that must have been super persuasive to uh, some Jewish listeners back in the day, enough to, enough to persuade them to follow the faith. Um, or to run Paul out of town because <laughs> one or the other. Uh, by the way, I, I love. I, I think it was uh, Bishop Stephen Neal who said, "Everywhere Saint Paul went, there was a riot. Everywhere I go to talk about him, they serve tea." Uh, <laughs> um, Paul gets better with age, but th- but this is my point. Paul's not just coming up with an abstract theological system and say, let's come up with some terms, let's give them some meanings, and let's come up with a beautiful way for them to go together. That's not what he's doing. Paul has read the story. Paul knows the story. And for Paul, there is a forward-pointing thing about God's promises to Abraham, and there's a backward-pointing thing about God's dealings in Christ. 
Uh, you see a hint of that, by the way. Let me pull up the text. Uh, flip over to Romans 15, uh, 8 and 9, I believe it is. Okay. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Well, what was the first promise and who was the first patriarch? First promise was he was going to make him a great nation. The first patriarch was Abram. Ding, 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 ding. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Uh, So, I mean, there's so much we're probably going to use at least the next episode uh, because I really haven't unpacked this idea at all. But uh, uh, I, I love that. It's it's not just a system. We think of it in terms of a system, but the system hinges upon making sense of the story. Um, and the language of faith enters our story through the character of Abraham. Uh, and righteousness uh, becomes a much bigger part of the story, starting with Abraham's faith, trust in God's promise. And uh, I think that's a good thing for us to pick up on next week. Absolutely. Um, and another thing that's great for us to pick up on, or you listener to pick up on, is the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast every Tuesday morning. Uh, this is an outlier that's going to go out on Wednesday from our perspective. But if you like, subscribe to the podcast every Tuesday morning. You're going to get a new episode and you will be, uh, you will be inheritors of the promise of the podcast, just like April. <laughs> but thank you for listening. And I want to emphasize again, please send us messages on our website, better than fiction, biblepodcast.com. We love getting those, whatever you want to say. And we may even talk about it on the podcast like we did today. So until then, we'll see you next week. Oh, we don't have Matt to say, see you next time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say, it, I'll say it. See you next time. Shalom. Flawless victory. <laughs> All right. And you know what? That was nine that was 29 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs>